Hello everybody, good morning, good evening, good afternoon from wherever you're listening from. You're most welcome to our next episode of Season 7 of the Sipsos Africa Community Podcast. Today we are delighted to host our lovely guest, Miss Caroline, who will be talking to us about different opportunities that are out there, ideas and strategies that leaders can look into as we try to promote community philanthropy. So, Carol, you're most welcome to our episode. Kindly introduce yourself. Tell us who you are. Our listeners would really like to know you. Well, thank you, Alan, for this opportunity. Uh, to all listeners, my name is Caroline Washaw. I'm the team lead and co-founder for Action for Youth Development Uganda, a youth-focused organization based in Western region. We also far operate in a few districts, but also Action for Youth, we coordinate uh, Girls Not Brides Uganda Alliance. It's a global alliance with uh, more than 1,000 organizations over the world working together to end child marriages. I coordinate the Western region, uh, which makes uh, Action for Youth as a coordinator office. We have done a lot of stuff, but uh, basically focusing on health, uh, education, climate change, and uh, issues to do with governance. On health, we are looking at uh, how young people can access services at local levels. We actually look at how youth leaders can, uh, can advocate for more increased budgets for young people to access health services at a sub-county level because we realize that there is a problem. Even uh, people working in the health centers do not understand what young people go through. Even some young people also fear. So we try to sensitize the communities mm-hmm. greater way so that people are able to approach health, uh, health workers without intimidation mm-hmm. or also health workers working with young people without threatening them because there, there has been a that we are trying to bridge between the two age brackets or two categories. And then on education, we are focusing on how to keep the girls in school, but also engaging the boy child. In most cases, they say uh, boys and men are the perpetrators of violence, mm-hmm. but they're not brought into the picture of what happens. So our approach is to have both come into the conversation to understand the magnitude of what girls are because the conversation now globally are shifting that how what will happen to the boy child and the uh, a man if they are not brought into the table mm-hmm. but for us uh, actually for youth we are trying to br- bring the magnitude for the boy child and the male who is taken to be a perpetrator, perpetrator mm-hmm. just in brackets not that everyone is a perpetrator but understand the dynamics that are associated with a girl child and a woman when it comes to issues to do with violence and also in education we are looking at accessibility how do we advocate for better policies for the for the girl child without uh, us implementing more in the grassroots our approach is using the district advocacy networks mm-hmm. to ensure that uh, the people advocate for what they want, not from us, from the organization, for us to give them space so that they're able to advocate for issues they want at the district level because we are looking at uh, sub-county to the district. But we also, uh, in the same way, in the education and health, 
we we have tried so much to ensure that uh, the sexuality framework, the education framework uh, for Uganda is operationalized. I know that conversations have been moving on that how to change the name. Uh, some have even, uh, because the ministerial statement is going to be out in December, uh, ministers from Southern Africa are going to meet in uh, in uh, South Africa to agree. But in Uganda, we are we thinking of, uh, people are thinking of changing the name because the name sexuality in Uganda means that people are having sex, which is different because it's very hard to mm. explain. And these are some of the things we've been trying to educate enlight people in the community to understand what sexuality education means. Mm. And uh, there are many names that have been uh, proposed, <laughs> mm. health for sustainability. But you see, when you propose such a name, then it takes away the meaning. But also mm. we want the the sexual, the framework to be operationalized. Then coming to climate change, we all understand that climate change is now a global issue. It's yeah. a threat, and uh, and we believe Uganda. We thank the government of Uganda for having uh, passed the climate change bill this year. But we believe uh, women do a lot of work in adaptation and mitigation, including girls. But what are we doing to ensure that uh, their life there is security and food? Uh, apparently, uh, we have many. Uh, things happening in this country. Take an example, we can also start like with where we come from. River is it's a, a district, uh, it's a river that supplies uh, water into for eight districts in western region, but it has been threatened. Uh, people are not caring about it, and this mm. is uh, where women will be will face a problem because they're the ones fetching water, but mm. the water which is not clean, then they have to take it home. Mm. But also there is no security or guarantee that whoever is fetching that water will be safe. So who is yeah. protecting it? And also in the near future, the river may disappear or may not see it. So what happens? Yeah. There, are, there are no alternatives. Because at the end of the day, it's a woman who fetches that water. But also, when you look at uh, climate change, if it affects the issue of uh, access to water, mm-hmm. then that means women will be moving more distances so, yeah. to, to get to fetch water. What happens is that on the along the way, there the, the, are risks associated. Mm-hmm. A girl may be raped defiled. Also, we may not even get there, can be even hijacked because there's a lot of human trafficking that is happening right now for different reasons that we don't we don't know. Mm-hmm. And these are some of the things. Maybe another example I could give is that uh, recently, like when we commemorated the International of the Girl Child, we were standing in solidarity with people in Kassese, but especially the adolescent girls and boys mm-hmm. who have been in the two camps because mm-hmm. they, are, they were displaced because of uh, the climate change effects. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they talk about the Kassese floods, most people think it's about when it rains, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. distracts. But people need to know that climate change is real because Kassese is, uh, is surrounded by uh, Mount Renzori. Yes. As because of too much glacial uh, on top, yeah. it melts even during yeah. daytime when the sun, uh, the sun is mm-hmm. on, you will see people running away mm-hmm. and it's flooding because of the, the water melt, yeah. and this and w- when it melts and i think people have not seen the magnitude of what is happening but putting that aside uh, when we were standing together with with the children with the people in Kasese that were dispersed we realized that uh, 
we as the public or as the citizens mm. we need to real to come up with a policy where we are giving without thinking of mm. of feedback or mm. to giving without uh without expecting, expecting to get back to mm. expecting to get back because uh we are the stories are very too much because these are people who are distressed we call them internally distressed persons because they are within the same location mm. and uh, where they are staying right now is a national park Mm-hmm. So those are more issues. Yeah. That means there's a likelihood that they can be attacked by the national, I mean the the, the, wild, the, the, the wild animals. And not that, they have already been attacked. That's why they were changed to another place because mm-hmm. the buffaloes were coming in in the night. Uh, but also from the experience and uh, the, the talks we had with the people there mm. is that uh, the snakes uh, also giving them hard time mm. and also access to water even when the place is more surrounded by the lakes because they, you cannot access the lakes because of the national parks and the mm. fear of the wild animals. Mm. And also when it rains where they are, the floods. Now the floods are actually following them from the mountain. (laughs) Yes, and see, this is something that we have to advocate for to see Mm. how can we settle these people for good Mm. because already their homes were distracted from the other side, Mm. and here they're also facing the same issue. Though it's not like how the the massive, it's not Mm. massive like they they were affected last year. Also, you can imagine the children in those camps it will be hard mm. for them to go back to school because of the education. Mm. How do they access books? Uh, I, and I, I need to mention this, there is a young person uh, who had completed senior four, but is also one um, among the displaced people mm. that volunteers every day to ensure, he says on Monday I'm meeting children in P3. Uh, these are some heroes that we don't mm. talk about, that we want to the public to know that without even anything you don't have even a pain you're able to to impact on other people's lives even when you're also affected mm. that is the issue of on climate change mm. but also we look at uh, social enterprises uh, building capacities of young people and young women with skills on uh, how to start up social enterprises that are environmental friendly and uh, production of biodegradable products mm. because if we cannot have such products then it's, it's going to be a problem in Uganda I know the Minister for Environment has been very very serious on this note mm. even before the COP26 to Glasgow mm. there was a statement that they will ban the plastic bags but it continues but we believe us if we train people and are able to have products that are only mm. uh, biodegradable if this is enforced if this policy is enforced then young people will be able to earn more money because the, the only access will be paper products and will be biodegradable products. Yes. Wow. Uh, thank you very much, Caroline. You raised quite a number of issues related to health, education, climate change, issues around refugees or migration caused by climate change or natural really uh, hazards that are, you know, causing people to be displaced. Bringing that point close to our conversation today, which is uh, exploring the role of leadership in community philanthropy and community mobilization. What what are you really doing as action for youth in development in Bara 
what are you guys doing? How are you mobilizing communities to be able to support and give back to some of these uh, initiatives that you are undertaking? Oh, thank you very much. Um, uh, thank you very much. And that is very important. So when you talk about philanthropy, uh, that starts with me because yeah. mm. you can't believe uh, you have to do it yeah. for others to do. And others will not see it, but mm. it's you who knows. That's why I say, when mm. do you give without expecting yeah. back? Mm. And it's, it's a most thing. And also, uh, this quote also keeps me moving of saying, we can't keep pretending that someone else is, is doing our work. We mm. must take action. We mm. can't keep pretending that my neighbor is going to come and change what is happening in my home mm. without you taking action. Mm. So these are some of the things that have kept me moving. So with Action for Youth Government Uganda, I'll give an example. We have done a lot, mm. but what is most standing out, I'll mm. talk about the three experiences. Mm. Uh, when we started Girl Talk uh, mm. camps, because we had an idea, but then it became so hard to mm. how do we bring on board and this is not something that is being done in in the same district it's in a different district why because i visited um uh, district we're not actually implementing there mm. and i realized there was a problem and some someone we were talking about uh, teenage pregnancies girls dropping out of school high mm. fertility rates in the mm. same district i was like oh a lot has to be done. Then I looked at even the school setups because mm. we were talking about menstruation. Then I realized that most of the schools mm. would not have like doors on their on their pediatrics. Yeah. And you see, when there's no door, a girl cannot change her pad. But also mm. realize that they didn't have uh, sanitary pads, meaning that most of them, whenever it comes, there are two issues that mm. they cannot attend school. Mm. They cannot attend when during the menstruation, but for those even who can change, they cannot change because they fear to be seen because there are no doors. Yeah. So I thought about how do we bring together people mm. to understand this magnitude in the mm. district. So we started up a camp and mm. we started with 16 schools by selecting 12 in each school, but also bring together uh, mentors mm. who can do the follow-up to understand the magnitude. And uh, it was challenging, yes, it was challenging. <laughs> it was challenging, but it happened, I thank God that it yeah. really happened. Like, I even, uh, I was scared of myself after when it had happened. <laughs> and how we managed to do it the first time, the first time we didn't think about that, how do the community contribute? Mm. We're thinking about writing to corporate companies, uh, writing to NGOs. Mm. So it was a lot of explaining. And uh, I remember the first time it was the ROC5 chairperson who thought, said, oh, I don't have money, but I can give you 10 bunches of my talk so, you, so that you add. But also uh, we had written to maybe without knowing them. Mm. They called me and said, we have 5 million, send your accounts to for the camp that is now we are getting there mm. and then we had written to different i think we had the total in cash was i think like eight million but remember you're having people for five days in one place and these people have to be transported from wherever they are because remember our approach was not leaving no one behind mm. we wanted to have children who were staying along the fishing communities and in the park, because these are people that lack on information that we usually give. It was very important for us, and that is along Kazinga Channel and Lake George and Lake Albert. So it was so expensive, but we managed to have them in and 
feed them. But also we realized that uh, we needed to partner with organizations who said now, people can't give us money, let's do the approach of what you have. Yeah. We, need, we need the materials. Mm. And uh, indeed, uh, that's how it happened. And the second camp, it was now better. So <laughs> we said, okay, this company, surprise, this company has, does things to do with sanitary parts. Mm. Let's approach them. They gave us all that part for the girls, for the camp. And then also we we stand big uh, so that so us on Facebook, and they said no, we have books that we can gift all schools at least they can have one one book that has a peer equation since uh, two thousand one to actually twenty seventeen. Wow! So they gave us all that book for us. It was uh, now a big achievement. Yeah. And then in Turkey bread, said yeah. we are giving you bread for the whole season. Yeah. Coca-Cola said yes, in that community you can also do the sensitization outside the camp mm. for communities also to donate bread and also give out because other people are giving. So it was a good concept, so we worked with RHU and Coca-Cola said, oh I'm giving you drinks for the camp mm. and you can do it. And then also uh, we realized that you know, if these people, we go to the community actually they can give us food. We use the strategy, go to different churches. We allocated ourselves, go to the American church, go to the mosque, go to the Catholic church. Mm. And uh, we said, if you have one cup, if you want, then someone said, I have a God. So <laughs> we realized that it's not about the money, it's about the material. Because what we wanted was to see the camp being successful. Yeah. And uh, indeed, people gave us, and then the circles within the community said, realized that actually, if people can give bunches of matoki, Mm. Yeah, so you tell them that even if it is not your child, but next time it will be your child, or it will be your your brother's child, it yeah. is your neighbor's child. If your child, your neighbor child, your neighbor's child is okay, yeah. that means the community will be safer. Because if we, we say that uh, we don't empower the people around us, then that means we are disempowering ourselves because we don't know what will happen yeah. next. And I think by telling the public that through different channels, that's how we manage to to have our camp. Our second camp became successful. I realized there was power in mobilizing. As we kept on going, we realized that uh, COVID-19 was coming in, and that's where the challenge came in. I looked at the situation, I visited the communities, people are calling you, Carol, you are not, yes, I, I helped where I could, but then I could not do much, because you, you want to help, but you don't have the funds. Mm. I opened um, an online fundraising mm. uh, in Kenya. Wow. And then I said, okay, everyone who has a Safaricom line could do it. You went international. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. I. This is it. This is in Kenya, but the project is going to be in, in Uganda. The first question would be because it's an online uh, fundraising strategy set up by Safaricom mm. through the MPSA pesa strategy because they also feel like their customers who are sick they can use that platform to fundraise now that uh, I, I i try to explain to them what mm. it is they said but this is in uganda i said ugandans are also africans mm. i'm a ugandan with a, a pesa line and i've supported you they were very okay with it and i managed to fundraise i think it was not so much no no for me it was much 
uh, that was like 18,000 Kenyan shilling, which is equivalent like to 700 Ugandan shillings. Wow. But from that, the people who failed to use it, mm. they sent me money. So altogether, it came to 2 million. Mm. Yes, but also other people gave, because while we were doing that, it was COVID relief for the girls that had become pregnant and those who had uh, given birth. Because yeah. we realized that some of them didn't have to carry their babies. Mm. Some of them were already malnourished, their children malnourished. Because I remember the first time we took food stuff, I thought it was the ROC5 chairperson and other district officials were not understanding the magnitude. Mm. So I said, We are going, let me call him the first time, the first visit. When we reached, I actually thought uh, we had taken for every teen mother um, a sack of uh, posho with uh, other food stuffs. But I reached there with this particular girl, she was really malnourished. And then a child was almost dying. Then I asked her, don't you have uh, in, in the local dodo, yeah? Mm. People eat, you can mm. get the eggplants, eat them. She said, no, we don't have. Then I was forced to visit her home because they stay actually next to the park. Mm. I realized actually there was no food. The person who pregnanted her ran away because actually that girl was raped. Oh, that is raped and being defied at the same time. She was 15 years, and the baby was actually malnourished. So I was forced to now look for milk. <laughs> and then someone else said, no, I'll pay, for the, I'll pay for the milk. And that's how the girl was put on the milk for three months mm. by another person who was interested. Mm. Uh, and uh, from then, then we had another one now that we, uh, that team, invested in to give out to other, generally we gave to many girls that were malnourished and also the ones that had given birth. But also during that time we had to support all them change uh, agents because they keep, you are not there, they keep monitoring to know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so sad that one of them lost a baby the same oh, way. Yeah. Yes, but uh, we continued supporting her in our small ways mm-hmm. to ensure that uh, she's safer connecting out health workers so that mm. uh, she keeps positive because you know you're a child and then you lose a baby yeah. you're the baby you have tried to keep up to the last uh, mm-hmm. last day then after a week uh, no it was not a week after actually a month because she was mm. in the hospital there are many issues that were associated uh, over breeding you know they're young their bodies are not ready for giving birth yeah, yeah. and um, that's how we managed and this all was done by different people it's not like there was a fund supporting these activities. Mm. It is uh, it's one way of giving and uh, you appreciate the community. The people will not know, but you will get to know that this is happening. But I, I also appreciate people that understand that other people are coming together to put things right. Yeah. And then along the way, people have been supporting because someone calls right uh, before actually that uh, COVID-19. Uh, because of the magnitude and the works we are doing of, of rape and violence. Mm-hmm. I have one person who came up and said, I'm going to take on five children to pay for them school fees. And indeed, she has been paying for them. Even now, she's going to take them even when they open up school. Yeah. Because she was shocked that uh, the girl can be raped in her own house and no one even cares to, mm-hmm. to do the, to carry out and follow up on the social justice for such a cases. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, she believed that if these, the, the young, the siblings, if they are not taken to school, there are, there are many chances that uh, mm. they will also go through that. Yes. 
and uh, many things that have been happening. The last one, I think, was the last, not the last, the least. IDGC International <laughs> Bigger Child. Mm. Realized that we are going to Kasese because I'd already talked about it. But uh, Kasese, I was thinking, how do we raise funds to make this event work out? Mm. So I put up a campaign of 16k per part per pack. Reason because I'm sure that uh, someone can use it for more than two years without being worried of what will happen next month. Mm. Because we in those communities there are some people who cannot earn a dollar per day. Yeah. But even now it's even so hard for those in the IDP mm. camps to access even that money because there is no source of uh, of income. I started it and I would share in people's inbox. So someone would say, I'm giving you 10 parts, so you ask for one, someone said, no, I'll give you 10, another one says, I'll give you two, another one, I'll give you one, mm. and I can assure you people gave. So, when before that day, we mobilized uh, to give out, because we realized that people need clothing, and I can assure you, people gave us enough, enough that everyone, even men, women, children, got, and we managed to mobilize games for the children because no one had thought about that these girls, these boys and girls need to play the games like mm. football mm. because they didn't have a ball and these are things we have in our homes we don't take seriously but there's yeah. someone there that really needs it there's things that mm. we take lightly and also uh food stuff mm. we actually and we we use the different approach we said we have brought this let's been distributed for yeah. them since we are here and we are a big team i appreciate everyone who turned up we are very many over 45 people that came from different communities come and stand together with the kasese friends and what i liked about uh, all the partners that turned up is that uh, we categorized ourselves in three ways mm -hmm. parents mm -hmm. to, uh, in one place then adolescents and youth in one place and children mm -hmm. and indeed the message was sent, the signal was seen, because uh, most of them appreciated the fact that uh, no one has come and given to, it is more of psychosocial support. No one had ever talked to the people in the IDP for even 10 minutes, not even not yeah. two minutes, even they've never like interfaced them. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we were able to have an interaction as parents. We, we understand, uh, the message was, we understand what you're going through, giving them hope. Yes, something better will come, but that even if it's not coming, if you know your neighbor, because you see the way it is, some of them have do, others don't. So my, there's a lot of uh, violence uh, in terms of harassment that comes with that. So we're telling them, yeah, it's, 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 this condition is not permanent, but no one should use uh, take advantage of it. Can we protect each other? So it was one way of communicating. And... Um, Another way is that uh, a group that was clustered in for the youth and adults and girls, mm. who, for boys and girls coming together, the boys understand the magnitude of what is happening, to accept the situation, but also knowing that it's not really permanent. So that rehabilitation and talk gave them hope. Mm. And for the children, I think they were the most happiest mm. their time. They have not seen someone come together come to, to pray with them mm. and have the whole day. Yeah. And I, I remember one word from the young people saying, 
Muverewo, you should be the ones coming every weekend because you have given us hope we never wanted you to leave oh. but uh, you have to go but at least we are happy that you have been part of us uh, they were happy because they were benefiting in different ways mm. information mm. then hope uh, psychosocial support and also they were having getting food because those people really need food that is very very important mm. food basic needs that yes like soap uh, salt mm. uh, what to, they can use there and then because what they have seen is what they will get because you're not sure of the next day mm. and then also that uh, emotional comfort that come came with it mm. yeah so when uh, I talk about uh, philanthropy, I feel most people are doing it, but they don't know they are doing it. Yeah. But also we are calling upon other people to do the same because mm. it gives hope when you're giving without expecting. Yeah. yeah, you give and say, oh my God, even when you pass, you'll be like, oh, hey, this is it. You don't even remember, but you feel hope. In mm. fact, it gives you more, mm. more, more joy. And uh, I have seen it even in the last summit for the mm. Western region. People, you, you're not giving them transport refund. Mm. You're not giving them anything, but they feel there is an impact I must create for the girl child, for the boy child, for the mm. parents. And you've seen people saying, no, this is right for information. Can we give you mm. the program? Yeah. Uh, today, I received three calls for, from two radio stations. Want you to come to it's well, it's they come and talk about in line what you're talking about in the gun summit. People need to understand these things, and life conversation should continue. And you're not paying for this radio station, and I radio, yes, airtime. And I can show during the summit, we actually didn't pay for any airtime, but we're on all the TV stations for Western region, and we're also in uh, on radio, different radio. So the message actually, people received it. And these are some of the things that we shouldn't take for granted. granted yeah. Yes, because um, we must appreciate people in different ways the way they contribute mm. to in creating change. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Carol, I'll start from the point where you say that uh, people give without them knowing that they are philanthropists in a way. And I would like to confirm with you whether you believe that you are a philanthropist because you have mentioned so many giving initiatives that you have been part of. But before I even dive into another thing, do you believe that you, you're a philanthropist? Yes. <laughs> before, I didn't understand that philanthropy, uh, what it is. Mm. But as I've grown up and doing this work, mm. I've realized that it is. And uh, you see, as a leader, mm. A lot I've done, and yeah, I've never mentioned anyone. Yeah, you've led so many giving yes, initiatives. Yes, I have done it, mm. and no one gets to know. But also the fact that you're able to mobilize, yeah. do it. I didn't know that it was in me. Mm. One time people were mobilizing for someone, and then I got like five inboxes. They said, you are the ones who do it, people will listen to you. And then uh, I thought it was a joke, and I did it, and people actually followed I don't always say, yes, I told you. People will know because they know that this is a serious issue. And it was not my initiative, but those guys were telling me to, to, to lead because they thought people would follow and give out. Because I've done many. Now this is part of the community, but I've also done it for my child. Comes yeah. to giving, we do not differentiate. Giving does not define who you are. 
yeah. I know it's part of identity, but also when you're giving, it does not say, oh, you're American, you're Muslim, you're Pentecostal. We, mm. I think we are the same, despite our differences, where we go for worship. Wow. Interesting. I, from your story and everything that you have shared around the different giving initiatives, the campaign you have run, I really see the one by one makes a bundle concept working for you and I believe that mm-hmm. even our listeners should really take that up and not fear to, to be part of the drivers of campaigns that are giving back to society. So, Carol, as we conclude, uh, is there any call to action that you would like to leave our listeners with? And uh, I also want you to mention uh, the dates when this camp happens. I'm certain that the givers who are listening to us would really love to be part of this initiative and very many of your initiatives. So, yeah, a schedule on how it operates, when and how people can really be part of this giving drive that you the giving drives that you lead would be great. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, I think this gives me and also the organization the opportunity to express our interest in calling upon more people to join us. Yes. About taking action, I think we're already taking action wherever we are, mm. but I would also want people to come and take action with us yes. and give with our campaigns because, mm. yeah, people have given up, but it's always challenging. But if we all come together, mm. we'll be able to, to achieve uh, our goals mm. uh, within that shortest period of time as always planned. And um, the message I have for the givers and those who are willing to give mm. is that the time is now, it's not oh. tomorrow, yes. it's today. Mm. And do not think about accumulating wealth to give. Mm. Uh, you can give what you have. Mm. And uh, this is a way we can give. Mm. You can give financially. Mm. Uh, what you wish to give mm. and then also technically you can be uh, a giver by advising be, uh, being our advisor in ways on how we can work out this in a more better way mm. and also you can be our counselor in the work we do because it's associated with lots of emotions with torture with violence and I believe uh, there are many people they are willing to provide these services mm. uh, without being paid Mm-hmm. And uh, we call upon you can come if financially, you can contribute materially. Mm-hmm. Most of these camps are more of material support. Mm-hmm. You can actually say, Oh, I'm in this community, we have space, mm-hmm. you can use it and then reach more young people yeah. or you reach women because you see our constituents is targeting over mm-hmm. adults with girls and women mm-hmm. in the community. So you don't need to have lots to give i believe you can give wherever you are if you have not started giving maybe you have been giving you don't know come and give action for youth development we shall utilize the resources very in a more um meaningful meaning mean, meaningful way yes so carol if we want to find you or send in our support how do we get you do you mind sharing your number your email address your social media handles, our listeners are really good with social media, some of them, or even where you're located. I understand that most of your work is in Barra, so where you're located in Barra, so that we can uh, 
really big part, part of your initiative. Okay, thank you very much. I'll first share for the organization. Eh? You yeah. can be found on Facebook, Action for Youth Development Uganda. Mm. The Instagram, it is actually Youth Development. Then uh, on um, on Twitter, it's Action Youth Development. And then uh, personally, I use Owashawakal online mm. <laughs> on Facebook. And then use Owashawakal mm. on LinkedIn. Mm. And then use uh, Karaoa on Twitter. Mm. Yeah, and then also use uh, Owashawakal online on Instagram. My number is uh, 0702065379. And uh, MTN 0782205716. You can always tag us in and uh, we'll be able to... You'll be able to see us and we can reach out to you. We are all, we are, we are open minds and we are willing to work with anyone in any place. We are diverse. Thank you. Wow, thank you very much, Caroline, for being a driver of philanthropists and for being a philanthropist yourself by virtue of the different initiatives that you have led and been part of. Those listening to us, as Carol concluded, she mentioned that uh, the time is now. It is not tomorrow, but rather it's now. The good thing she has shared her social handles and her telephone number and her institutional name. So... Follow them up and see how best you can be part of the giving community. Thank you very much for, you know, logging in and listening to us. If you like this episode and this podcast, continue to support us by, you know, sharing uh, this with your colleagues, leaving a comment or a review. We usually get to those and probably, you know, respond to some and receive your guidance on how we can continue to create a community of philanthropists. Until next time, I have been your host of the Community Podcast Season 7, Alina Simwe, with my guest, Caroline Owashawa from Barra. 